I finally have Bubba here. Finally, the alcoholic gets to ask the addict for you guys. And we are recovering, but we want to go deep down, share our past, share where it all started, share our journey through recovery and how we got to where we're going. And I'm going to ask him a couple questions and you're going to hear his side. And I do want to start and I want to start with finding out where it all started. So I'm giving him the mic. Here's Bubba. Hey, guys. So for me, I guess uh, I had a, a great childhood growing up. Um, my dad and mom divorced when I was like not even two years old. So I've always been with my dad. Uh, definitely a daddy's boy. Um, but he uh, remarried when I was, let's say, like 11, I think. Um, cool stepmom. Um, she loved me just like I was one of her own. And uh, everything was great. She had a, a son that was my age, so I had... Um, so I had a built-in, you know, half-brother. Um, him and I got along great. Um, and then my dad and my stepmom had uh, a son. So I, got, I had a little brother out of it. Um, but as far as... The addiction part goes, uh, I guess it all started when I was, it was directly after high school, so I was maybe 19 or 20. Uh, got into a car accident and got prescribed hydrocodone. I think it was like just fives or seven fives, something small. Um, so I took one and then it felt great. So I took two and three. <laughs> and it was the best feeling that I've ever felt before. Um, and then progressively, you know, it went from uh, hydrocodone to, I believe it was Percocets, something. And then uh, it wound up being like my uh, choice as far as pills go were Roxy's and Dilaudid's. Um, of course I started out just, you know, eating them. Then somebody said, you know, Hey, you know, if you crush it up and sniff it, it'll hit you a lot faster. Um, so I did that and they were right. Wouldn't you know? <laughs> and then I had a friend that was into the intravenous use so he said, hey, man, you know, have you ever tried shooting it up before? And I was terrified. You know, I was totally against it before I did it. And uh, I did it, and there was no turning back. Um, you know, once you start using the needle, there's just, you're not going to go back to eating it or sniffing it by any means. So... But along with the the needle use uh, comes, you know, before the needle, I was able to get up, go to work. If I was withdrawn and I didn't have any pills, 
I could get through the day, no problem, you know, and then get off of work and go find something. But as soon as I started using the needle, it was just crazy, just the difference. Um, plenty and plenty and plenty of mornings, you know, I couldn't get out of bed even to go to work. Um, it's weird, like, I would get enough pills the night before and I would tell myself, you know, all right, I'm going to save two or three or four for in the morning so, you know, you can get up and go to work and not be feeling like shit. And, of course, every single time you do all the pills the night before and, <laughs> and then the next morning you call in the dope man at 6.30. Of course, nobody's awake that time of the morning when you're about to go to work. So plenty, plenty of jobs that... uh I wrecked and just got fired from because, you know, I just couldn't, I could not go to work dope sick after I started using a needle. Just something about the withdrawals just intensified so bad. So if I didn't have something to go to work on, I wasn't going to work. So like I said, many jobs just ruined good jobs too. You know, I was a a brick mason all my life took off to, took after my dad doing that so good money to be made but you know or I'd be uh, able to make it till lunchtime I guess and get through the mornings you know gritting my teeth and you know turn a 30 minute lunch break you know call a dope man and yeah hey, I'll be there in 10 minutes meet me at such and such and an hour later, I'm still sitting in the parking lot waiting on them. So, <laughs> thirty-minute lunch break turned into two hours, and boss man doesn't like that. So, needless to say, I ran through many jobs, many uh, relationships got ruined. Um, as far as you know, my close personal relationships got ruined as well talking like my my friends um I was like a sports fanatic in high school loved everything about sports um when we graduated high school there was a group of us that was you know five six seven of us that was really really close um we'd go to the rec center play basketball or go golfing every weekend or whatever the case may be and uh ruined all that um it, it's weird though like that same group of friends um they didn't necessarily you know like the fact that I was getting high uh but they tolerated me getting high as long as it was uh just eating pills or sniffing pills <laughs> but it's crazy like as soon as a needle is brought up in a conversation or somebody says, you know, he's shooting pills out now, da 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 It's just, they drop you like a bad habit. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not, it's all my fault. I will say that. I'll take accountability for every single thing that I've ever done. But it's just strange that the judgmental part as far as, you know, eating pills compared to shooting pills. Um, but yeah, lost all those really close friends um i'm sad man they would uh, turn into a loner a hermit i just 
stayed if I was at work or if I wasn't at work, I stayed in the house and honestly just too embarrassed to go uptown to, you know, I didn't even want to walk in nickel pumpers, you know, taking a chance on maybe seeing somebody that knew what I was doing. Um, I just, I don't know, super, super embarrassed. But, um, so yeah, along with, you know, the IV using comes stealing, uh, lying, all that. Uh, so wound up going to jail a few times, uh, a few times too many actually, because, you know, they got tired of sending me to jail. So I wound up going to prison, um, got sentenced to three years and wound up doing, uh, I'd say right, right, right at two years. I think it was like 22 months I wound up doing in prison. Um, came home and, you know, told myself those 22 months I was locked up that, dude, I will never, ever, ever do this shit again to put myself in the position to be, you know, away from my kid. Like, at that point, I had, uh, I had a daughter, um, in 2010, and actually my second daughter, but my first daughter had moved back up north to Ohio with her mother. So I had my second daughter in 2010. I wound up going to prison in 2012. So at this point I had, you know, already had her and promised myself that I wouldn't do anything to be away from her ever again. And I think that lasted as far as me being clean when I came home, lasted maybe two months and it was right back to it and when I say right back to it I mean no eating pills sniffing pills right back shooting pills and it's crazy man like your tolerance over the two years has went way back down so you know before I went to prison it was shit I couldn't even tell you I was shooting probably 20 Roxy's a day, 30 milligram Roxy's, so 600 milligrams a day, and not doing anything for two years, you know, come home and I'm able to just do one and be just as high, so, but it doesn't take long, you know, I'd say within a month or so, I was right back up to where I was before, and um, cycle starts again, you know, back in jail, doing the wrong things, dad mad at me because he knows what's going on. Um, I had moved, you know, back home with my dad. It's always been me and dad. Um, that man is a fucking saint for all the shit that I put him through and, I don't know, stealing from him. And he never, you know, kicked me out or... Anything like that, but uh, never forced me to go to rehab or any kind of treatment. But it started, like I said, it started getting bad again. So 2014 um, was the first time I ever went to rehab. I went to any lengths and Sumter. Um, my choice, I was just 
sick and tired of living that life that I was living. Disgusting life. Um, but I wound up going to any length. And the first couple weeks I was there, um, I was withdrawn. So I absolutely hated it. But honestly, and I tell Chris to this still to this day, honestly, uh, after the first month or so, I stayed there for a total of uh, almost eight months. So after that first month, for the next seven months that I was there, um, I met some great, great people. Never laughed as hard as I ever have. <laughs> uh, built some great relationships, but that was one of the greatest periods of my entire life was when I was at any length. Um, so yeah, I was there for eight months almost and came home with the same mindset and intentions that I had when I came home from prison and deja vu. I think I lasted about a month this time and it was right back to it. Um, I just, I don't know. I, I don't even know what sparked it or anything, but it's just one day I just I think I just ran into my old drug dealer at the gas station and it was <laughs> on and popping from there on out. I didn't have any intentions of getting high. It just kind of happened like that. And uh, so I kind of want to just fast forward a little bit. Um, I don't want to ramble. I kind of feel like I was rambling and. I kind of want to get to, you know, where Krista and I got together. Um, it's 2018, so fast forward a couple years. And just during those years, it was same old shit, getting high, doing what I had to do to get high. So I wound up, um, I was in jail for some, I don't even remember what the charge was. In fact, it might have been child support. But anyway, 2018, I... Um, Got out of jail uh, and turned my phone on. I think I had been locked up for like two months. And uh, I had a message from Krista on Messenger. So I hit her back and I wound up meeting up with her um, that night. And at this point, she was, uh, I believe, three years sober. So... Um, met up with her that night, and honestly, we've never left each other's side since then, five years later. But uh, anyway, we, um, we, she was living at Bluestone Apartments. Um, I moved in with her for, I think it was a couple weeks, and then we wound up moving to Georgia. Um, she was moving over there with a buddy of hers, and she kind of just... <laughs> brought me along and we didn't really discuss it with the guy until, I don't know, two or three weeks after the move-in and I'm still there every day. So anyway, um, you know, I wound up staying there and she had no idea um, that I was still getting high or even getting high. Um, one day we were out on the porch smoking a cigarette and I had cellophane inside of my box uh newports and she's seen it 
Um, and at this point, I forgot to even say that, but at this point I had moved from pills to heroin. So it was some heroin in a bag. She saw it, questioned me, and I flushed it down the toilet in front of her. Um, honestly, I don't even remember what I told her as far as what it was or if I was getting high or whatever, whatever. But anyway, I flushed it down the toilet in front of her and swore to God that, you know, I wasn't going to get high anymore. And, of course, that was a lie. So we lived over in Georgia for the next, I think it was like two years, almost two years. And she was working on Hilton Head at the time. And... Uh, I think we only had, no, we had two vehicles at that time. So when she left to go to work, it was just, you know, free reign for me. Um, as far as getting high and running around and doing stupid shit. Um, but I did have a job at that time. I was working with my dad laying brick and shit. Um, but that took a turn for the worst. Uh, me and dad got into it, so... Plus, work wasn't really steady. We would only work two or three days a week. So I didn't have a whole bunch of money to blow on getting high. So the situation turned into I would send Krista to work at Enchiladas. And it got to the point to where, you know, she was a bartender making tips. So got to the point to I would be on call. And as soon as she racked up $40 in tips, I was coming to get that $40 and I was going to get a pill or a bag of dope and going to get high. I mean, it's just thinking back on it now, it's such a shitty situation that, you know, she's three or four years clean at this point and I'm sending her to work, you know, just so I can get high. Um, super sad, you know, things I do or did to get high, um, but, you know, she loved me unconditionally, so that was the manipulation in me using the amount of love she had for me against her, you know, in order to feed my habit. I would threaten to get my shit and leave if she didn't give me 40 bucks as soon as she had it. So fucking sad, but, um, yeah, that went on for, like I said, we stayed in Georgia for almost two years. So then came, uh, she got pregnant with Huxley and whenever she found out she got pregnant, we also found out that, um, Krista's ex-fiance um, had passed away. He fell off a roof at work and uh, wound up getting a, a settlement uh, Krista did for, the, for him passing away. <clears throat> and it was a, a lot of money, good chunk of money. So we, the day that we got the check... Um, we had moved back to Bluffton, and uh, 
on and popping again. And I'm talking about on and popping with that amount of money uh, to blow. And we had just, uh, she had just had Huxley. So, <clears throat> you know, she's at home with the newborn. So her hands are full. She's not necessarily checking up behind me or making sure that I'm being a good boy. She's worrying about our newborn infant, bless her heart. <laughs> so I'm going to Walmart and I get cash back every time I swipe the card, 80 bucks. So then, you know, she would look at the bank statement and she would say, well, what the fuck? Why is this, you know, so many charges at Walmart for $82 or $42 or $83 cuz I'm going in getting a, a bottle of water for 2 bucks and getting $80 cash back so I can go get a bag of dope or a couple pills. So uh yeah, she questioned me about it and I wound up I lied at first and told her that um you know, I was just getting her uh Christmas presents and that's what the charges were from Walmart. And Christmas rolls around and there's no presents. So it's fucked up. But um, yeah, we like I said, that was when we had moved back to Bluffton. So uh, when Huxley was... So fast forward another few months. Um, Huxley was about, let's say, eight or nine months. And it got to the point to where... Something had to be done. I needed to go to rehab or somewhere. So I went to uh, Greenville, Greenwood, Greenville, somewhere upstate um, to a rehab. And I wound up staying, I think it was like three weeks. Didn't stay long at all. And I wound up getting a guy that I had done some uh, masonry work for um, in the past. And then there was some more work that needed to be done at his house. I wound up getting him to send me enough money to get a Greyhound bus ticket. And I surprisingly <laughs> called Krista when I was about an hour away from Bluffton on the Greyhound bus, you know, saying that I'm on the way home. You know, I, I was just going to show up at the front door, but then I thought, well, at least I'll give her a couple hours heads up. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I came back home and, uh, I don't know. That was, like I said, that was three weeks or so that I was clean. Withdrawals are gone, starting to feel halfway normal again and uh this was in october right around halloween so of course when i got back to bluffton and got back around the people that i'm not supposed to be around um started up again and this time uh it was fentanyl actually this time and first time that i'd ever done fentanyl knowingly i'm sure that it was in the shit that I was doing before, but I knew what I was getting this time, and I knew it was fentanyl. So um, anyway, it was 
Huxley's first birthday party, November 22nd. Um, and uh, I wound up going out to Ridgeland and got some fentanyl. And I walked into the bathroom at the um, convenience store. And I did what I had to do. And I came back out and don't remember anything. I woke up uh, on the sidewalk, um, strapped down to a gurney with the fire department, uh, bringing me back to life with Narcan. First time I'd ever OD'd, uh, and it was off fentanyl. Uh, they took me to the hospital. It's crazy. Krista still hates this situation, but... They took me to the hospital. I actually had a little bit of fentanyl left on me that they found in my pocket. So that's why I was strapped down to the gurney because I guess they were debating whether or not to charge me with some sort of possession. But they wound up not charging me because it was so little. All they did was test it. Um, and then there was nothing left to charge me with. But they told me that it wound up being uh, fentanyl and meth mixed together. So it's just crazy, man, what's out there. And you don't even know what you're getting. So Jesus Christ, please be careful. Um, but anyway, so I had to call her from the hospital and tell her Help. that. Hey, hey, hold on. Call her from the hospital and tell her that I wasn't going to make it to my son's first birthday party because I had just overdosed and almost died off of fentanyl. So um, the crazy part is my truck was still at that gas station and <laughs> they wanted me out of the hospital bad enough. And I didn't have any money. I spent all the money I had on buying the shit before I OD'd. But they wanted me out of there bad enough that they actually gave me a ride back to my vehicle where I had just overdosed at, um, not knowing if, you know, I had any more in the truck or if I was going back to overdose again or it's just crazy. So that was November of 2020 and uh november 22nd was the exact date huxley's birthday um and then the sickening part about all that is that was the first time i had ever overdosed ever um the very next day i called the same guy and i wanted the same exact fentanyl that i had just overdosed on because it was the the best shit around. It was the shit that was going to get you the highest. That's just pure insanity that you almost die the day before. Miss your son's first birthday party and you want that same shit that you had just got. So that was the 23rd. So the 23rd and 24th um, got high again. Didn't overdose anymore. Thank God. But so the 25th is, 24th is the last day that I got high. Uh, November 25th, 2020 is my sober date. So 
coming up on three years now. Um, it was just, just the best thing that I've ever done. Um, I couldn't stomach the, I just couldn't deal with hurting people anymore. I just, I, I don't know, something about, you know, Huxley's first birthday, me missing it, dying, being brought back to life. I just, I don't know, something just clicked and I just didn't want to hurt nobody anymore. Krista just did everything, everything for me. Uh, loved me unconditionally and I'm just sitting there hurting her over and over and over again. My dad never turned his back on me. It's always been me and dad and Tired of hurting him. I'm just tired of hurting everybody. Um, but especially Krista and Huxley and, you know, my Madison from a distance, my older daughter. She heard about stuff that was going on and, you know, she was still coming every other weekend or once a month or so. And I just, you know, sick and tired of being sick and tired. So that's when I changed my life um, and put all that shit down. Um, we wound up, uh, Krista got pregnant again and we wound up having uh, Baylor, my little moochie pop. <laughs> and uh, we lived at that same house in Bluffton for uh, about two more years. And everything was great. Um, after that, it didn't take me long. Uh, in 2021, in August, uh, actually the same guy that sent me the Greyhound money to come back home from rehab invested um, close to $70,000 into me. He just, he knew my work ethic for me uh, doing work at his house and all that. Um, and it was my idea to stop laying brick and start pressure washing. So he bought a $35,000 truck, brand new, with 200 miles on it, paid for it cash, and sent us, just told me go to the dealership and pick it up. Uh, went and got that, and then he spent another $30,000 on a trailer, pressure washer, chemicals, all that shit, and had it delivered to my front doorstep. Um, it's crazy, man. It's, he took a chance on me like that, but, um, it's been, it's paid off tremendously. Uh, the last almost three years has been the best three years of my life. Um, you know, able to support my family and take care of Krista is just, is the best feeling in the world, you know, after the shit that I put her through and all that money that she got for the settlement and, you know, the majority of it, you know, we did buy vehicles and shit like that, but a lot, a lot, a lot of that money um, went into my arm and I regret it, you know, still. I hate myself for it. The way that I treated her, uh, the way that I, you know, neglected my kids it's just it's so sad you know while you're in active addiction the things that you do 
Um, and then looking back on it when you're when you get sober, it's just it's incredible the person that the drugs turn you into. Because without the drugs, you know, anybody can tell you, anybody can tell you that I would do anything for anybody at the drop of a hat. Um, but it's crazy, you know. Drugs turn you into a fucking monster. But glad to say that, you know, those days are over with and we're never looking back. Um, this year was our best year so far with business. And I pray to God that, you know, next year will be even better. And uh, Krista's coming up on eight years of sobriety. And I am so proud of her, dude. You have no idea. I love that girl to death. Would do anything for her. And just so proud of myself. I mean, I don't want to sound like, you know, tooting my own horn by any means, but... I'm just so glad that I was able to, you know, not be that person anymore towards her and able to turn, you know, my life around. And like I said, being able to support my family and get up and go to work every morning, not being dope sick, not having to run around and find something in order to go to work is just, it's the most freeing feeling ever. So I know how it is for for people out there that, you know, you wake up every morning and you're dope sick. As soon as you open your eyes, it's it's sad. But there is a way out. There's many, many ways, you know, to, to get clean. Many ways. Cold turkey. Uh, some people do the MAT program, uh, Suboxone, Methadone. Whatever the case may be, um, there's just there's many, many, many ways to stop living that life and just live a great a, a better life all in all. Um, for anybody out there that's going through the struggle, please, please reach out to me or Krista. There's been so many people that we've grown up with and people that I know, she knows, that have lost their life recently to this shit. And it's just, there's, there is help. I mean, there was a time, many times, when I was in active addiction that I just thought that there was no way out. So it's like, fuck it, you know, if nobody's going to help me get clean and I don't have the money to do it myself, you know. I'm just going to continue to do what I'm doing. But I promise you, there is, there are avenues that you can take that, you know, to get clean. Um, uh, like I said, just just her or I, give me a call, shoot me a text, and I promise you, I will do everything in my power to help you get off the shit and change your life. You know, if it's something that I can't do directly, I promise you I'll put you in touch with the person or people that can do it directly. So I don't know. That's enough rambling for me now. I was, I'm nervous as far when it comes to <laughs> talking for people or whatever. So 
Hope I didn't do too bad, but I love all of you. And like I said, there is a way out for whoever's out there still, still struggling. There's hope, but God bless. And that's my man. That's my husband. That's his experience, strength, and hope. I kind of let him just go to town and I watch the kids. So I haven't heard all of this. This might be new to me. So I have to go and listen. And I'm going to come back with some notes of what I want to talk about too. And I know I have some things in addition to add to it. But I am so proud of this manual. And if this story doesn't give you hope, if you can't relate to this, Maybe you know somebody that can. Like, share, share, share. We are here to help. We're here using our pain for someone else's power. We're here using our pain to save a life. We're making a change. And you supporting us, your help making a change. Thanks, guys.